Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to another episode of Milo Time. Daryl Kessler, along with Lisa Cohen. Hi. Hey, Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. Good. Good to see you down in Brooklyn once again. I should say again. I'm, I'm well. You're well, but you're well. well you're is, also good, though. But it's grammatically I'm well. But you're a good person. Oh, in a I'm deeper sense. In a deeper sense. <laughs> I'm okay. Well, I'm glad to have you here in Brooklyn once again. I think the last time we recorded was in your studio on the Upper West Side, so I'm glad to have the home field advantage once again. Glad <laughs> to be here. It's very competitive. It is very competitive. You didn't know that. Um, you know, before we get started on um, picking a an item from the list of things that Milo loved. I do want to mention to our listening audience that uh, if you stick around till the end of this episode and all episodes of Milo Time going forward, you're going to hear new music at the end. Some of you who listen to the Jets cast inspired by Milo Time have heard this music already, but it is going to be the music that takes us out of every episode of Milo Time going forward. And for those of you who have not heard the story before, this is a song called Sweet Lefty, which is a song that was written about Milo uh, as a dedication to Milo. And it was written by and performed by and produced by and distributed by my great friend Jared Fontaine and his band the idea of machines. So Jared um, and the idea of machines just released a new album, which you can all check out on Apple music or Spotify and elsewhere. And it is terrific. And the seventh song on that album called sweet lefty is a song about our beautiful boy Milo. So I'm forever indebted to Jared for that. And please stick around at the end of each episode of Milo time. We're going to play sweet lefty in its entirety. And if you listen to the lyrics, there's a lot of stuff that will be familiar to our Milo files out there. Including Sweet Lefty, which is a great title. Including Sweet Lefty, which is a beautiful title. And, you know, talking about Jared right now, um, it takes me back to something, Lisa, that we've spoken about before. Um, I mentioned once before an article that was written in the New York Times or an op-ed that was in the New York Times a couple of months ago by a writer by the name of Jancy Dunn. And she wrote about how some guidance that she was given by a friend or a family member who is a special ed teacher translates to real life and more specifically could translate to people who are grieving. And the idea was when her family member or friend, and again, transferring it to people who are grieving or people who are in need, um, when you are confronted with a person like that, the one question you need to ask them is, do you need to be helped? Do you need to be held? Or do you need to be heard? And it's one of those three things. And being the type of people that we are and are trained to be, we typically, without asking, think they need to be helped Mm -hmm. and want to be helped. And generally, I can speak for myself and I can speak for, I think, a lot of people in the bereaved grieving community, we don't want to be helped Mm -hmm. because there's no help. The ultimate absence can't be fixed. Really what we want to be is either held or heard. Mm -hmm. And um, the reason that I'm tying this together with Jared as we're talking now, 
um, our listening audience knows that I play soccer pretty regularly. And uh, last week I was playing in a game and I saw a friend I had not seen in a few years, um, a fellow by the name of Andrew. I'm not going to give his last name. And I love playing with him. He's an Irish guy and he's a really good player and was always a really nice guy. And I hadn't seen him in years. And I approached him after we played and I said, Andrew, I haven't seen you in a long time. And it was great to see you and it was great to play with you. And he said, it's always great to play with you also, Daryl. He went on and on about what a great player I am. I mean, needless to say. <laughs> I knew but, that. But, I was going to make the joke yeah, if yeah. you were I mean, I'm like, Andrew, enough already. I know, I know. No, but seriously, the first thing he said in response was, you know, we haven't seen each other in a long time. And this is the first time we're face to face since your son Milo died. And he had no idea he was going to see me this day. And he said... I'm so sorry that that happened. Can I give you a hug? Ugh. And we were two sweaty men hugging on the soccer field. And it was a very beautiful thing. And then he proceeded to tell me that his brother committed suicide <gasps> and that his parents both died when he was very young. Mm. He has some experience with serious grief, although it's not the same as losing a child. And we had a moment on mm. the field and he gave me a hug. And it got me thinking about Jared a little bit who was somebody who I didn't know well at all. I've played soccer mm. with him for years, but we were soccer friends, people yep. I see on the field, and then we go our separate ways. Right. He's a very good player, and I always enjoy playing with him, but I really didn't know much about him. Only in the wake of Milo's passing mm. did Jared really reach out to me and make himself available to me to hear me. And Jared and I, on a number of occasions now, have gone out, and Alana and I have gone out with... Jared and his wife, mm -hmm. and they've proven to be incredible hearers or just listeners. Mm. And it's a really beautiful thing to have concrete examples of people who have come into our lives sort of implicitly understanding the idea of one of the three H's, a hug, mm -hmm. hearing. And in terms of helping, I do have to say, Lisa, I'm going to catch you off guard here a little bit. <laughs> um, you've been truly wonderful. I mean, Lisa and I are now doing our 50 eighth episode of Milo time. And needless to say, Lisa has not been paid a cent to do any of this and has given <laughs> my invoice is uh, on its way. Right, right. Given a tremendous amount of time. I mean, she spent money on subways and Ubers <laughs> to come down here and to go home. Ubers? And has, no, and, I would never yeah, do that. And has, has received no compensation whatsoever. And this is the kind of helping that is meaningful for me as a person who is grieving. That's the kind of help that doesn't say, let me fix this for you. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of help that says, you're asking me for something and I'm able to give it to you. And um, I know from the response that I get from the audience that you're able to do it in an extremely gifted and extraordinary way because everyone says to me, like, how did you convince this <laughs> professional to do this with you? And how is it that she's yeah. traveling all the way down to Brooklyn to do it? So all three examples of one held, one heard and one helped. And Lisa, I, I have just forever, I'll be grateful to you for this. I am. Um, I, I'm all I can say is, and I'll speak on behalf of the other uh, hearers and huggers. Um, it's it is. Um, I really, really, really want to be doing this. It is not yeah. like Oh, you know, poor things. Let me, you know, do the right thing here. Like I, I, first of all, I mean, I love hanging out with both of you anyway, as I always have since we met. But um, it's a, it's a nice 
excuse to yeah. get together and we're, you know, sometimes have dinner afterwards, whatever. Um, but I'm, I didn't, I didn't know, I, I've never done anything so um, important, mm. I would say, yeah. you know, other than having my children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that feels just like, you know, there's no, <laughs> there, there is no payment that would, you know, that would match how I feel about being able to do this. It's not at all um, a burden. Like I, it's a hundred percent me wanting to be here. So, um, because so many of us who love you guys feel sort of helpless, you know, and so to be able to do something that for me isn't so arduous is like, well, of course, why would I not, you know? Well, it's yeah, a, it's I'm, a, it's an extraordinarily happy circumstance in the midst of tragedy when something that you feel good about that you want to do also is so helpful to me and to us. And by us, I mean Alana, Max, other people who know and loved Milo or people who are meeting him or getting to know him better. Um, so it's in that respect um, from the you know embers of tragedy, it's something that is really beautiful when it works out that way. So thank you for that. Um, I do want to mention that if you go to the link tree on my Instagram page for Milo Time at Milo Time Podcast. I'm going to put up a link to the article that I've now spoken about a couple of times. That article was written again by Jan C. Dunn. I'm going to include three other articles that have been written in the New York Times recently about grief and grieving that sort of jibe with my sense, Alana's sense of where we are. And although the articles ostensibly are written for people who are grieving. I know, Lisa, you've explained, like in particular with respect to the Colin Campbell mm, show, mm -hmm. that they really are for the people who love the people who are grieving and it's sort of like more instructive for how to communicate with and deal right. with people who are going through right. extreme grief. There's going to be an article by Sarah Wildman, who's been writing about the death of her daughter, Orly, and wrote a particularly po poignant article very recently about an empty chair at her Thanksgiving oh. table. Um then there was an article very recently in the New York Times, I may not get this name right, by a philosopher by the name of Mikolai Slavkowski Rode, um, and I'm going to put that up as well, which is about healing and, frankly, not healing from grief. And finally, I can't believe I'm recommending this, but an article by David Brooks in the New York Times. <laughs> David Brooks uh, put his politics aside and any thoughts you have about other things he's written. He's written a tremendously, tremendously thoughtful article about being present for friends mm. and um, something that I hope I can remember going forward when I'm with friends who need someone to talk to, just how to be present mm. and how we can fail if we are not present. And it's a really good article. I'm going to put all four of them up and people can check them out on the link tree at, at Milo Time Podcast. And we've spent a lot of time preliminarily here. So, Lisa, let's get down to the meat of the program. All right. As our listeners know, on this program, Lisa picks an item from the list of things that Milo loved. And I'm wondering, Lisa, if something is drawing your attention today. Yes. Let's do pop smoke. Pop smoke. So you're familiar with pop smoke, I assume. Um, you know. By name, because I have children. But right. So, right. <laughs> I wouldn't say more than that. So, Pop Smoke is a rap artist from Canarsie, Brooklyn, who I think by the time Milo turned 17, 16, 17, was his favorite. 
I would say that he'll always love Kendrick Lamar. Um, he'll always love a handful of other rappers. But I think when he was 15, 16, 17, Pop Smoke wasn't around very long. Pop Smoke was his favorite. So much so that Milo wrote his college essay <gasps> about Pop Smoke, no which way. is sort of incredible. That is um, I'll incredible. I'll talk more about that. But Pop Smoke, again... We put that in the link tree, too. <laughs> you don't have to, but uh, I would love to read to that. To put his college essay? Yeah, I could. I could. I would love to and read And he that. was adamant about it. And Meaning you tried to talk him out of it? Well, no, I didn't try to talk him out of it, but we wanted him to consider how an article about your um, feelings about a since-murdered rap artist right. might come across. <laughs> um, but he, it was important to him, yeah, and it, yeah. he discussed it in the context of his life, and it was amazing. But Pop Smoke is an incredible artist who um, was murdered at the age, I think, of 21. He was from Brooklyn. He got involved in a lot of stuff in his life, um, a very difficult childhood, got involved in a lot of criminal activity. Um, he stole a Rolls Royce and then eventually was murdered while staying in an Airbnb out mm. in California, uh. apparently unrelated to any previous engagement he had had. It was... Uh, a robbery <gasps> gone bad oh, and he God. was murdered. Um, he had only released, I think like two albums before he was murdered and neither of them was released by a studio. So I think I may not have this right, but I think his first studio album was released posthumously. And some of those songs were amongst Milo's favorite, mm. favorite songs. The name of the album Oh boy, this is going to sound like an old man here. I think it was called Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon or mm -hmm. Shoot for the Moon, Aim for the Stars, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. Anyway, there were a number of songs on that album that Milo truly loved and he introduced us to. And as a result, we really loved. Mm. Um, and if you listen to any Pop Smoke music and you can tolerate um, heavy rap music, which... Alan and I came to really appreciate through Milo and Max. Um, his voice is totally unique. His style is totally unique. And his songs are great. And he mm -hmm. really, really is phenomenal. Um, How old was he? When he... It, yeah, I think he was 21 when he was wow. murdered. Um, and I'm going to get to the PS to that story. But I did mention already that Milo wrote his college mm -hmm. essay about Pop Smoke. And he wrote about the fact that Pop Smoke was from Canarsie. And he wrote about having done some due diligence into where specifically in Canarsie Pop Smoke was from and learning that he grew up right near these this baseball field complex that Milo played dozens and dozens of games at, the American Legion field mm -hmm. in Canarsie. And Milo drew that connection as part of his essay. And in that essay also, he wrote about the connection he felt to his hometown, Brooklyn, through the music of Pop Smoke, to nice. Canarsie. And then, of course, he wrote about his connection to his older brother, Max, because when new music would be released on Friday nights at midnight, they would exchange notes on whatever music had been released that mm -hmm. night, and they would stay up till the wee hours of the morning. I think that's something I've spoken about before on the show. Um, but Milo... Loved Pop Smoke. I've talked before about his love for rap music and blasting it while he's taking a shower all the time. <laughs> um, he loved to control the aux in the car. Mm -hmm. And anytime he would play a song that he knew that he had taught to Alana, 
and or me, he would give kind of a sideways glance. He didn't want to go over the top <laughs> and kind of make real eye contact, but he would look sideways to see whether we recognized the song as mm-hmm. one that he had introduced to us. And he really loved doing that. Um, but the music of Pop Smoke in particular was very meaningful to him and sort of incredible. Um, I've mentioned before how much pride Milo took in being from Brooklyn, but what we came to discover um, after Milo's tragic death and um, where Milo now resides in uh, Greenwood Cemetery, Mm. um, we came to discover that Pop Smoke is also in Greenwood Cemetery. And we actually tried to find out where he was located and tried to have Milo placed near him. Mm. And it turned out we learned that the original location where Pop Smoke was placed had been desecrated <gasps> and um, demolished. So Why? while he... Not clear. Not clear oh. whether it was just people celebrating him and it got out of control. I see. Or whether it was sort of a more violent thing. But... Um, as a result, Pop Smoke was moved, and he still resides in Greenwood Cemetery, but in an undisclosed location. Interesting. So um, it is still true that Milo and Pop Smoke reside um, in the same place, and um, it's sort of a you know another one of these sort of heartbreaking and yet really touching things For sure. that um, this kid who grew up in Brooklyn only miles away from where Pop Smoke grew up and felt really connected to the very same Brooklyn, even if it's a different neighborhood in Brooklyn, and felt a real connection to this individual through his music, ends up um, in the same place as Pop Smoke. And I would encourage people to listen to um, some Pop Smoke music if you're inclined to do so. In particular, that album... Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, which has a number of Milo's favorite Pop Smoke songs. And there was one other Pop Smoke song that was unreleased that he loved quite a bit that I enjoy very much, too. And I'm trying to think of the name of it now. It was it um, was unreleased. Where, how you... I guess it was available on Spotify, even though it was not on an album. I see, I see. Um, it was called um, Demeanor. Demeanor mm. is the name of the song, and I'm sure it's available on Spotify, another great song. So awesome. there you have it. Pop Smoke, somebody Milo definitely, definitely loved. And as long as we've been talking about music, let me remind you all to stick around at the end of this episode for Sweet Lefty by Jared Fontaine and his band, The Idea of Machines, in its entirety. Again, it'll be the outro music to this episode of Milo Time and all of the episodes going forward and check out Jared and the idea of machines and his new album available both on Spotify and on Apple Music and I'm sure elsewhere. Beautiful. Lisa, thanks very much. My pleasure. <laughs>